Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. I have to tell you, I learned a lesson this week, and it's one I knew, but every once in a while, God has to smack the preacher around and remind him of a couple things. Uh, the sermon for this week came not from my office, which at this point is a, in a little bit of upheaval, as you might have noticed. Now, I had to go out on a visit, and all of a sudden, this sermon came out, and God is saying, Sam, go and see some folks every once in a while, and they will give you the sermon to preach. So that is what happened this week. Um, I'm not going to give away where I was. Just know that I'm very grateful to the person who pulled something out of me that I hope is for us today. And I want to start here with this, and this was not our conversation, but I want to start here. That have you ever taken somebody to their first something? Like something that you loved and you wanted somebody to get. You're like, come on, I want you, I want you to do this thing. I was thinking about this in two different capacities. As, and this happens a lot with parents and children, but it doesn't have to. Just something that means something to you, you want to give over to someone else. And the two things that came to my mind as I thought about my children was, first of all, I thought about taking Caleb to his first hockey game in Buffalo, New York. Like, why would you drive all the way to Buffalo? That is an entirely reasonable question to ask. One I was asking myself as we were trying to get there. But here's the thing. We had watched hockey on television. He knew the game. He understand the game. He understands the players. He knows how, you know, you got to put the puck in the net. That's how you win. He understood all that. But he didn't understand the game until we went. And the game didn't start with by walking in the arena. It starts with the drive. You know when you're a little kid and you go on the long drive? And it doesn't even have to be that long of a drive. But when you go on this drive, you're like, we're going to this exotic place. They call it Buffalo. And then you get there and we stopped off at a restaurant, all right? And it's this very famous restaurant in Buffalo, Anchor Bar. Some of you might have heard of it, like supposedly where wings were invented. And so we go in and there's hockey fans everywhere. They're like, oh, there's more than just me. All but, and it didn't matter. There's only like 50 to 100 fans in there. Caleb's like, this, is, this must be the greatest thing ever. And the wings were a little spicy. Oh, they have wonderful food in this magical place we call Buffalo. And then, we try, then, and then we're driving to the arena, all right, and it's snow everywhere because it's Buffalo in January, all right, and then we get out, and I'm like, Caleb, you got to bundle up. We got to walk to the arena. He goes, well, I didn't have my hat. What do you mean you don't have your hat? It's minus 10 outside. He's like, I don't have my hat. I'm like, here's mine. And then we're walking, and the ice is just biting against his face. And, this might, and he's thinking, this is the magical weather of hockey. This is how it's supposed to feel. And then you walk in, and we went to this really special day. They were retiring the number for a player, and they had all of these trophies that this player had won, and all of a sudden, they're not just pictures on a video game. There sits the trophies, the Hart Trophy, most valuable player, the Vesna Trophy, best goaltender ever. And all of a sudden, these things are real. And then, and some of you know this with baseball or with football, but you know how it is. You go into the arena, and you step out into your seats, and all of a sudden, there's the playing surface just laid out before you. I tell you, when I saw Memorial Stadium for the first time, it was one of the most beautiful things in my life. And Caleb had the same reaction. He's like, there's the ice. And the players, who might as well have been mountains. And everything just seemed a little bigger. And I remember the same thing for my girls, I think. All right, is when we went to Disney. 
Some of you taken, you know, you have done, you've done the parent thing. Well, we drove, and that is a long drive, all right? We left at one o'clock in the morning, like somehow we were being raptured, all right? They're like, God had to take us in the middle of the night, all right? And so, and we wanted that because we were hoping that they would fall asleep and we'd be a good chunk of the way there before they woke up. But they were too excited. We did get to North Carolina. You two did fall asleep. Don't look at me like that, all right? But, you know, we're going on this exotic adventure, and instead of the cold ice, they start to see... Well, first of all, you go past south of the border, right? And you're like, what is that? And I'm like, kids, that really is exotic. I don't know what's going on there. But you saw it. You got that experience. And then it starts to warm up as you get to Georgia. And then you, cro- you, know, and then you cross into Florida. And you're like, we're almost there. And you're like, actually, you're not. But thank you. <laughs> you're actually not. But then you keep going. You're like, there's palm trees. And for a kid from Maryland, you're like, there's, there's palm trees. Might as well be Hawaii. But you all know that's not the cool thing. Like, but there's this, this exotic thing, and then you get down, and then you're driving into the park, and there's that huge thing that says, welcome to Disney World, and all of a sudden, the things that you had seen in pictures, you're now there. And in the same way that Caleb's eyes got big as we walked out to the ice surface, we walk out into Main Street, USA, and all of a sudden, there it is. And what, and what, what are my girls doing? They're like, Main Street's great, but where's the castle? And you walk and you walk and you walk and all of a sudden, and you all have done this, right? There it is. There it is. And that's why they call it the most magical place on earth. Each of my kids and each of you, whatever that experience is for you, had an idea of what the thing was before you experienced it. We had done all the stuff, but it wasn't until you participated that you understood wasn't until you were a part of it that you understood. Until you became part of the experience, going to that place, getting on the ride, cheering the goal. Maybe you're a baseball fan. Until you actually sing, thank God I'm a country boy in the, in the seventh inning stretch, whatever. It wasn't until you became a part of it that you understood it. And all of you have been in that space where once you understood it, you couldn't ever unring that bell. You know what I mean? Could never, ever take it back. We're all in. And you know what? It doesn't matter how many times we go to Disney. It will always be welcome to Walt Disney World. But as true as that is for a lot of us, it's also surprisingly not true for other people, right? We consider baseball. I'll never forget the first time I went to Memorial Stadium. It was great. And I still get this really excited feeling every time I get to go. I still think Camden Yard is one of the most beautiful places on earth. But you go to a game now and you're like, there are people on their phones. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, you, this is, this is wonderful. Like, even when we're bad, this is like, where else would you be? But people are on their phones. You know, we talk all the time, people, corporate people, you know, who are there having business meetings and not watching baseball. Like, that ain't for me. Like, literally, they have to put up nets now so that people don't get hit because they're not watching the game, which drives me absolutely nuts. But it kills the vibe. And you know the fans, the people who are there because they get it, and then the people who are just there because they're there. And I was on the other side of this one time. I remember I, had, I was invited to go to Yankee Stadium, the new one. My father's cousin has tickets. He said, why don't you guys come up? We'd love to take you to Yankee Stadium. I'm like, that would be great. We'd love to go to Yankee Stadium. And so we get up there, and yes, all of a sudden there's Yankee Stadium. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. It ain't Camden Yards. 
And then we get in there and like they do all the things. What's that? <laughs> it ain't Camden Yards. And then they're doing all the things they do, you know, and I'm looking for that wow moment of wow, I'm in, I'm in Yankee Stadium. And so like we sing, thank God I'm a country boy, they want to sing Frank Sinatra, you know, New York, New York. And they're like, don't you want to sing? And I'm like, no, actually I don't, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm out. This isn't for me. This isn't for me. Contrast that to another story I heard. I'm going to call this person. I was talking to Bonnie the other day about the O's game a week ago. She was down at that remarkable O's game the Rays won. And what she, I asked her, I said, was it great to be there? She goes, it was one of the greatest games she's ever been a part of. Do you hear the difference? She was a part of that. I watched the highlights. Bonnie wasn't playing shortstop. But she was still a part of it. That's telling. The meaningful experiences in our lives aren't things we observe or just attend. They are things we participate in. And just because we're around something doesn't mean it changes us. But when it does absorb into us, it changes us. Some of you are in the same boat. You saw your first baseball stadium. You know what? It doesn't matter how bad the O's are. You're in that's true all over the place, and it's true for our faith. Last week, we talked about the heart of the church, of our faith, and we said it is not due unto others because that cannot be gospel. It's important, but it can't be the gospel. The gospel is the heart of our faith, which is not what we do. It is what God has done for us. And in the sending of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us, that there is good news. That is what gospel is all about. And so if the gospel is our message, if that is what we have built all this around, then the question becomes, well, then we have to draw a straight line. What is the purpose of the church? Whether it's this or the National Cathedral or St. Patrick's in New York or a house church that is currently meeting somewhere in China underground so they don't get discovered. What is the purpose of the church in whatever form? What are we supposed to do? And there are lots of answers to this question, as many as I suspect there are churches. But I would like to suggest that Jesus at least pointed us in a direction. When after his death and resurrection, Jesus appears to his apostles for 40 days. And at the end, he said, I'm going to be ascended. And the day of ascension comes and Jesus looks at them and says, here's what I want you to do, fellas. He says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you not as the guy who just sort of, you know, who just sort of says, yeah, I heard of this guy, Jesus. I want you to be the one who shares the good news of Jesus. And that's what I want my people to be about. To put it in baseball terms, Jesus doesn't want us as the person who just checks box scores, see if we won. No, Jesus wants us in the terms of the faith to be the guy that yells charge every time they play the trumpet. He wants us to participate in this. I want you to witness to this. I want you to be a part of this. You who saw me die and shared that experience. You who saw me resurrect and shared that experience. You who have shared a meal with me and have shared that experience after I was resurrected. I want you to witness to that. I want that to absorb into you so that you are never the same. And I want you, just like you would take somebody to a ball game or to a hockey game or to Disney World, I want you to share that experience with everybody you can find. The purpose of the church is nothing more than to witness to the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ in word or deed. Witness to this. I have seen this. I want you to come and see. You have it. Now I want you to give it away. 
In this way, faith is a thing to be lived. And there is a sense that Jesus says, I want you to give yourselves away in the same way that Jesus gave himself away. It is not different than what our Savior did. It is in line with what our Savior did. And some of you are going, wait a second, he died on the cross. Is that where we're headed? Well, no. Not necessarily, although that's never off the table. What Jesus is saying is like, look, the, way, the good news is not just a message. It is a way that we do the message. What if the gospel isn't just a story that we tell, but it is the way that we tell that story? And the gospel is both and. It is both the story and the way that we tell the story. God loves you more than you ever thought possible through the cross. But we witness to this. We participate in this. We are also to be shaped by the cross. Christian theologians call this a cruciform. You're like, that sounds like crucifixion. Good, it's supposed to. A cruciform life. A life that is in the shape of the cross. This is what St. Paul writes about when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As Christ gave his body as a sacrifice, so give yours. Holy and acceptable to God, this is your spiritual worship. This is your worship. At the heart of our life as a church, we are to be presenting our bodies, not just our thoughts, not just our emotions, not just our tithes or whatever, We are to be giving our bodies, our very lives, as a living sacrifice, just like Christ did. This is how we witness. In love, Christ gave of his body for you. He did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, but made himself a servant, as Paul writes in Philippians. And we are to do the same. And before you're like, okay, good. Can we call this a day? Well, it's not quite that easy because Jesus' own apostles struggled with this. Read the story of James and John. They have heard Jesus tell that the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming. All right, I am going to tear this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days. The apostles themselves heard this over and over and over again. And so as they draw close to Jerusalem, to the climax of this story, James and John come to Jesus and they're like, we want you to do something for us. We've been listening to you forever. Now it's our turn to benefit from this. And Jesus is like, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, put us on the thrones, on your right and on your left. Jesus is like, oh, fellas. Fellas, no, that's not what you want. And I couldn't do that anyway is what Jesus is saying. But he says, no, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man didn't come to take things upon himself, which is what James and John wanted. They wanted this gospel to be about them. Jesus is like, no, that's not how this works. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, a a holy and living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How do we know this works? How do we know that giving ourselves is actually what Jesus would have us do? Well, because that's why you're here. That's how you got here. I guarantee it. I want to ask you, what was the thing where somebody gave themselves for you that changed your life and let this message absorb down into the fact that you give up on Sunday morning when it is pouring rain outside and boy, that bed looks really good and yet you are here? Maybe it was a preacher who really, 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 really wanted you to hear good news or there was something that you heard that just hit you at the right time. 
Maybe it was a teacher who wanted to show you something in your life. Like, hey, I've been watching, you've been hanging out, and I see this thing in you. Maybe it was a friend who committed to praying for you in a tough time and saw you through to a miracle of God's working in your life. I can't tell you your own story. But whatever it was, someone, someone had to be committed to you experiencing that moment of God's good news, to experiencing the gospel. And that someone, or a series of someones, changed your life because of their commitment to you. Because just like I took Caleb to a hockey game, they brought you to the very foot of the cross in some way. And we were never going to be the same. In that love, you saw the bigness of Christ. And once you see it, you can't unring that bell. So when we come together to do the work of the church, whatever that is, worship, service, all of it, the fundamental principle is it's not really about us. Think about it. Most of the time what we do in church isn't for you, right? Like, I'm going to put myself up here. Like, I preach 50 sermons a year, something like that. Take a couple off for vacations, put a couple in for Holy Week and for Christmas Eve. I preach about 50 times. You're telling me every, every one of them is like, man, that was for me. Thank you, Jesus. Give me. Come on now. You and I both know that ain't true. You and I both know that ain't true. And you know, we have coffee out there, and you know what, you're like, I'm not feeling coffee, I'm not feeling it. Like, most of the stuff we do doesn't land for us on any given Sunday, and that's okay. But everything we do as a church is for someone. And when we think about that, it changes everything. Everything we do is for someone. It might be for you on a given Sunday or on a given day or in a given event. It might be the thing that God is speaking to you. But most of the time, it is for someone else. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing, is it not? That's how we all participate in this work of the gospel. And our responsibility, church, is to figure out who it is for and to meet God there. And we may never know, but to be eyes wide open for who God is trying to reach today. And what if God is calling us, as someone was there for you, to be there for someone else? That most of the time, the work we do is to live the gospel by giving of ourselves so that others can hear that message for the first time, can experience the good news of the gospel through us, can experience the bigness of God's amazing grace and love. Here's the kicker. When we take this cruciform approach, I will give of myself for others, when we become a part of that cross, when the gospel of Christ's cross is how we do this, when we give of ourselves in love, that's when it becomes alive for us as well. You're not me at Yankee Stadium going, now I'm sitting out the Sinatra piece. You're joining in at Camden Yards at John Denver. Thank God I'm a country boy. It changes you forever when you take on the cross, when you become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I want to close with a story that... And maybe I've told, this, I've told this story so many times. I'm going to tell it again because every time I come back to it, this, ki- this one child kills me. I was invited to preach in college. All right, and this was back before God did whatever God was going to do in my life and straightened out my voice. If you don't know, I was a horrible stutterer for most of my childhood through my early 20s. But they invited me to preach. 
And I did a really dumb thing. I decided I was going to preach on Romans. All right, anything in Romans for a first-time preacher, bad idea. Just, just don't. All right, just do David and Goliath and call it a day. I, was, I thought I was smarter than that, so I decided I'm going to preach Romans. And I get up there, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. And by, the, by, and by the way, my whole family decides, oh, if he's preaching, let's all go up. So I got half the church now is my, is my family, including my aunt and uncle and all this kind of stuff. And I'm here to tell you, friends, it was the worst sermon I ever preached. I feel really good preaching in here because I will never be as bad here as I was on that day. I have already preached my worst sermon, I guarantee it. And I couldn't talk. Like, I don't care if I was the most brilliant theologian in the world, I couldn't talk. And everybody just sat there, like, dear God, just Sam, just call it a day, man, you ain't got it today. And you all have been there with me, right? Sometimes you all have been like, dude, you ain't got it today, just call it a day, you're going 0 for 4. All right, don't worry about it. But everybody sat and they listened. And they held it together. They gave of themselves. They were a living sacrifice that day, I'm here to tell you. But here's the thing, and I swear, as sure as you're sitting right here, I never saw this, but I was told after the service there was a child who had never come to that church who walked in with a parent and sat in the back of the church. And somebody told me, they said, that child has an awful, awful, awful stuttering problem. And he listened to you preach. Not a word of what you preached. I didn't even know what I preached that day. But he said he listened to you preach, and I heard him say to his mother, if he can get through that, I can handle my stuttering as well. I don't mean to be the hero of the story. I wasn't. The hero of the story was that the congregation showed up and let it happen. That Sunday wasn't for them. That Sunday was for that child. And I don't know where that child ever went, and I never saw them again. But I hope somewhere today, that little boy who's 20 years older now finds himself in a place a lot like this, giving of himself so that somebody else can hear that. Maybe he's sitting through the sermon that is just like, man, brother, you ain't got it today. But he's sitting through that so someone else can hear the good news of God's love and acceptance in his life. And so friends, I want to invite us into that. We're in fall. We're starting some new stuff. And we're like, oh, there's some great stuff. I want to invite you. Find your place to give of yourself, to put your body as a living sacrifice towards the good of one another. And simply watch what God will do with that. I don't know. I have no idea what God's going to do with that. I just know that God will do something because we are invited into that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and I promise that God will honor that. So whether it's here in worship whether it's whatever you're doing outside in your, in, as you go to work, as you go home, as you go to family this week, look for the places to give of yourself. Live a cruciform life and watch what Jesus does with it because someone once did that for you and the way the gospel goes forward is if we are willing to do it for someone else. Amen. friends sometimes i'm like man looking for a hymn and you know hymnals are only so good you know you, you go through them time after time and you're like oh we've done that we've done that we've done that so every once in a while i go looking for some lyrics and i found these lyrics they're an old john wesley tune all right help us to help each other lord each other's cross to bear let each his friendly aid afford and feel another's care a simple beautiful hymn and i hope that it soaks into us as it as it just inspired me this week i said i got to do this and so we're going to do it to the tune of hymn number 102 which is jesus the very thought of ye so if you know that hymn it's the same tune just invite you to plug in the words so please stand as together we consider how we might help each other lord <clears throat>
the mind that was in thee. We can't access the mind of Christ, not in the way that we might want, but we can access the life of Christ and in that way follow in his ways. And we access that and we tell that story yet again in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So we put our bodies on their lines, our minds, our thoughts, our prayers, indeed sometimes even our hands and our eyes and our hearts as we offer up our prayers for those who need our prayers this day, who have asked for our, for our assistance in going to the very throne of God with our requests. And there are a lot of, uh, there are several updates on your list. I'm not going to read them back to you. Ask you to continue praying for them. Um, I do have some additional things that I'd like you to know about this morning. And uh, we continue to pray for Lisa Davis's, uh, her sister, Lisa's sister's boyfriend, Charles Melchior, um, who had quadruple bypass. Um, his surgery is complete, but he is very weak, low of oxygen, short of breath. In other words, just struggling in, on the backside of that surgery. So please continue to hold Charles in your prayer. We've been asked to pray um, and continue to pray for Bob Finn's brother, Ronnie Finn. Um, Ronnie had a heart attack on the 19th, um, an emergency procedure, multiple stents were put in, um, and then I haven't had a chance to chat with you, Bob, but I believe he's is, uh, up in your care right now. And so, um, so we give thanks that Ronnie has found a place with you. And so we pray for Ronnie. We also pray for you both as, uh, as you care for your brother. And so thank you uh, for your service to him. Debbie Hahn asked us to pray for Brian Herbert, um, the son of a friend of hers, um, a young man with a mass on the femur, and they was, had, now has been diagnosed with lymphoma. And so please be in prayer for this young man um, as he now um, undergoes uh, lymphoma treatments. Another friend of Debbie's, um, Scott Creason, um, had a recurrence of brain cancer. Um, he is responding well to treatment, and for this we give thanks and ask you to please keep Scott in your prayers. Uh, Jane invited us to pray for a friend of hers, Jill Ibex-Garber, who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and so our, our prayers go out for Jill as well, and for you as you, as you care for your friend. And then finally, um, and you'll understand, you, please hear the tone of my voice when I say it, my heart is so heavy for praying for very young people, but we have yet another one to add. Um, Steph Barilera reached out to me yesterday and, said, uh, and asked us to pray for a young lady named Kinley Connolly. Kinley is seven years old. She goes to school with Liam and Taylor, um, and they are, the families are acquaintances, maybe not friends, but they certainly know one another. Um, the seven-year-old has been diagnosed with diffuse midline glioma, which is a tumor of the brain stem. And the way that it works is that it is inoperable. The way that it, the way that it forms, it's not really a tumor. It's kind of in the brain stem itself. So it's inoperable. Um, and so she, this seven-year-old is preparing for radiation treatments at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, and as any of you might be, Steph was just really busted up for her friend. And so please be in prayer for Kinley Connolly. Um, and be in prayer for everyone who knows her. Um, it's a big time for Taylor and Liam. As they ask, what is cancer? How does this work? Um, 
when it happens in your school, it just it's a, it casts a pall over everything. So for Kinley and for her parents and for those who love her, please keep her in your prayers. So with that in mind, let us go before our Lord in prayer. Lord, we started with the rain this morning, soaking in. If we tell the story, looking at your word, hearing what you're calling us to do, what you might be calling us to do, and how we might think about our shared life here, Lord, we give you thanks, each and every one of us, that somebody introduced us to you with passion and conviction, said, I want you to experience this. And maybe it was one time, maybe it was overtime, but in some way, that has soaked down into us. Or now it would be impossible for us to think about ourselves without our faith, without the cross of Christ, without following in the crucified ways of, way of Christ. It is just who, you, who we are because that is what you have called us to. And you did that in the lives of others. So today we say thank you for those lives. Lord, as we have received this gift, so might we offer this gift to others. That, Lord, that we too would live lives of worship and sacrifice, seeking out who, you, who it is you're working on. And, Lord, sometimes that's us, and we pray that you would do your work in us. But a lot of times that's someone else. And we pray that you'd open our eyes to understand how we can serve the other and to be wondering who that could be, Lord. So many times we make a difference and we don't even know. Lord, expand our hearts to always be seeking to make that difference in another's life. Help us to be expectant. One day when we get a chance to see the difference that we have made, to just go, holy cow, I had no idea. And you say back to us, I know I was at work the whole time. So Lord, help us to do that here in this church in our workplaces, in our families, in our social circles. Lord, help us always be seeking to offer ourselves as you offered yourself to us, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And so our prayer requests for this day are one way that we do that. So we, could, we give you thanks that Charles has come through his surgery well, um, but Lord, we, we acknowledge his body is not responding well, and so we continue to pray for Charles Melchior. We pray for our brother Ronnie Finn, Lord, we thank you that you brought him through his heart attack, Lord, and that you got him care. And we thank you, Lord, that he's found care with Bob and with Belinda. And so we pray for Ronnie and his recovery. We pray for Bob and Belinda as they provide care with all the love they have. And so we just pray that in all of that, that, Lord, your good will would be done in Ronnie's life. We pray for Brian Herbert, Lord, this young man who's been diagnosed with lymphoma. Lord, how scary that must be for this young man. So we pray for him. We pray for his soul. We pray for strength. We pray for his body. That, Lord, you would heal this young man and that his story would be one of your love in his life through this diagnosis. We pray for Scott. And we say thank you that he's responding well, for, well with treatment. And we continue to pray, Lord, that would be the case. We pray for Jill Ibex Carter, Lord. And, and Lord, a, yet another breast cancer, Lord. It burdens us. And yet, Lord, in the same way, we know how to pray for this. So we pray, Lord, for Jill as she battles this breast cancer. We pray that she would be surrounded by people who love her and encourage her as she battles through this. And finally, Lord, we pray for Kinley Connolly, Lord, this young, this seven-year-old, Lord, who's going through this terrible thing that we call glioma. Lord, we pray for her, for all who love her, for her school. Lord, we ask, Lord, again, that you would heal her of this. Of this. We pray this radiation would work. And we ask for, uh, for all the children who know her and who are now asking questions and concern, Lord, that they would hear your goodness in their lives. In addition, Lord, we lay before you the prayer requests that we bring silently to this place in our hearts.
thank you, Lord, for hearing us. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation to pray. And thank you for the strength that we get to offer our prayer requests, Lord. We commit them to you and to your sure and certain care through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And together, following in the way of our Savior, let us pray the words that our Savior taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So friends, one of the ways we are a living sacrifice is we actually like do a sacrifice. Like anyone who's ever given money to anybody understands there's a sacrifice to that. And it behooves us as the church to say, y'all, thank you for the sacrifices you make that we can continue to do this work, the ways it impacts you, the ways that it impacts others. Thank you for the sacrifices you do make for this place. And so we're going to bring them forward and ask you to help me bless them. As together we sing the doxology. If you would stand and sing. Let us pray. Generous God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have shown us what it means to love. And you've called us to follow your example, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to offer our lives and resources in your service. Accept the gifts we bring today. May they help to spread the love we have received to the world around us. Amen. So friends, we're going to conclude with a hymn, and I know many of you have sung this hymn before. I've sung this hymn many, many times, but if you stop and just let it sink in for a second, you're like, this is the weirdest title for a hymn ever. Who says, sister, let me be your servant? And if that feels weird to you, now you understand the weirdness of what it means to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And nevertheless, that is the way that Christ invites us into his life where it sinks into us. And so friends, I invite you to wrestle with this really weird and beautiful hymn. Together we sing hymn number 490.
and a benediction towards the end of Romans where Paul gave that instruction, let your body be a living sacrifice. And as I read it, I want you to hear the hope, joy, and peace that he packs into this very short benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We go, to, we go to love and serve the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated for just a couple of announcements. And indeed, thank you for coming out today. What I said in the sermon, I wasn't really joking. It's a wonderful day to stay in bed. So thank you so much for actually being here and for sharing. And for those of you online, we are so glad that you have joined us. So very much appreciate it. A couple quick announcements and then we'll get out of here. And we want to begin with the altar flowers that are given this morning. They are gorgeous altar flowers given to the glory of God and in loving memory of my mom, Joan Hahn. Happy heavenly 90th birthday on September the 29th from Debbie. Debbie, they are lovely and it's our pleasure to honor your mother on this day. Moving along, church office. All right, if you haven't walked through all of this, you see there's some stuff going on. Just FYI, the church office will be closed Monday, September 25th. That is tomorrow through Wednesday for all the renovations. We got to get all the computers, everything else hooked back up, all that. So email and voicemail will be checked daily. So if you need to get a message to us, you certainly can. That will be checked. Just know that there, we can't promise anybody's going to be here simply because of all the work. And Sabrina and I offer our thanks for your understanding with that. Homewood at Plum Creek, the auxiliary. Um, membership drive is on. It is that time of the year. Um, and so Jane is our, is our point person for that. So if you're interested in joining the Homewood at Plum Creek auxiliary, um, who does wonderful work with the residents there, we invite you to think about that. Um, you can see Jane. Um, here's a cute little thing. You can also go in Church Center. If you've got the Church Center app, uh, you can go in there, find out more details about that. You can do all of that through the app. So if that's you, check it out, see what's going on. Um, and then even after that, if you have questions, Jane will still have more answers for you, so she's happy to help you with that. Um, also from Jane, uh, choirs. Let you know, we are already talking about Advent and Christmas. You're like, don't even, Sam, I know, but here we are. So, um, and choirs getting ready to ramp up fully, um, not just for Christmas, but for the rest of the fall and into the winter, and new singers are always welcome. So we invite you to join the Celebration Choir for the Advent and Christmas season. Um, schedule will be released soon, um, but we want to build the schedule around y'all as much as we can. So if you have any interest in being part of that, again, please see Jane, our choir director. She will be beyond thrilled to have that conversation with you, I can assure you. And then finally, uh, next week, um, if you haven't, if you didn't have the chance this morning to head out into the vestry and see what we got going on, um, it was quite a spread today. Um, coffee and scones and cream that I, if y'all don't eat, I'm going to eat the whole bowl of when I go back later today. Um, but we've been trying to make that just a place to hang out and want to say thank you to everyone who has been a part of that. Uh, Jenny was uh, instrumental today, so thank you so much for doing that. Um, we're going to try to make use of that space a little bit more next week. Um, I am going to be hanging out in the vestry next week at 9.30 a.m. until right around before the start of worship um, for what we're calling coffee and conversation. 
Just a casual hangout. For those of you who might have been hanging around St. Mary's a little bit, maybe you've been here or wondering what's going on. Or, you know what? Tell me what membership looks like or what is my next step here? You know, is there a Bible study? You know, just whatever. Just want to make myself available to those who, want, who are looking for a way to dive into the life of St. Mary's just a little bit more and to chat that out a little bit. And even if that's not you and you're just like, just want to talk to pastor for a little bit, I will be sitting out there um, with everything from deep theological insight to reflection on how the O's did this week. So whatever you want to talk about, I am out there uh, next week at 9.30 to have that conversation with you. And we will have coffee and some other things going on. I invite you to come and to be part of the vibe. That'll do it for today. Oh, yes, ma'am. Um, also next week, we're going to have information about the workover. Oh, okay. So, and next week, we will... Just a tease. So I have a little tease for you that next week we are setting up some stuff around uh, merchandise with our new church logo on it. So we will be giving you some information about that. If you would like to participate in that, that will be coming next week. And we are excited about that. Thank you for the reminder. So that'll do it for today. Turn you loose uh, to whatever your day looks like. We pray that we go not just with the idea of Jesus, okay, I got my religion done, but that we go in the shape of Jesus to love and serve those whom God has put in our path. And in that, may we discover God's peace and good. Mm-hmm.